today. It's been a wonderful week, and the meeting, I guess, will be half over after this study tonight, and it's been a joy. Thank you for all the kindnesses. We've been well taken care of and well fed, and I just want to thank this congregation for inviting me to be here with you. If you're visiting, we're thrilled you're here. We welcome you back at any time that you could be here. We're happy that you're here, and we hope that you'll open the Bible and we can study together from God's Word. And we're going to begin in the book of Hosea, chapter 7, beginning in verse 11. He begins here speaking about Ephraim. Ephraim was the son of Joseph, and he had a brother named Manasseh, and he became a tribe, the tribe of Ephraim. And ultimately, Ephraim was instigator in the rebellion, and he led the ten northern tribes and ultimately, the kingdom of Israel was divided into two kingdoms, Israel and Judah. And so in this passage, God is addressing that. He's speaking to the tribe, you might say. And this is what He says about the people of Ephraim. Ephraim also is like a silly dove without sense. They call to Egypt. They go to Assyria. Wherever they go, I will spread my net on them. I will bring them down like birds of the air. I will chastise them according to what their congregation has heard. Woe to them, for they have fled from me. Destruction to them, because they have transgressed against me. Because they, rather though I redeem them, Yet they have spoken lies against me. They did not cry out to me with their heart when they welled upon their beds. They assembled together for grain and new wine. They rebel against me. Are you a rebel? A rebel to God? Do you rebel against Jesus? Against God? You know, I always kind of felt like I was a son of the South. I had some sense of pride in that. Went up to Boston, Massachusetts and worked with a church up there and they had me preaching in front of a big giant statue that was all against the Confederacy. Talked about the rebellion. I felt odd. Well, these people had gone against God. It's undeniable. He lays it out. They're not with me. They're silly. They've disobeyed. And he said, I put a net, and they're going to get caught in it. And they whine and they cry, and they want my blessings. They want the grain, and they want the new wine. They rebel against me. I don't think anyone here today would say, yep, I'm, a, I'm fighting God. I'm rebelling against God. And, and to rebel means just what you think. To oppose a government. Or even maybe to take arms against a ruler. In the Greek it means an insurrection or an uprising. And I want to talk to you about a rebellion that happens to every one of us. If I say, if you're a rebel, stand up, we should all stand. 
In the book of Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 5, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. The carnal mind is enmity against God. And you know what? We are all flesh. We're all spirit. We all have a spirit. But we all have flesh. And we're covered in flesh. And that flesh has a nature. And if it's a fight uh, between the two, between is the spirit going to win or the flesh going to win, and too many times we give in to the flesh, but the carnal mind is enmity against God. The word means hateful or the enemy. That's the meaning of the word. The flesh is the adversary of God. And so people with a carnal mind are the enemy of God. And it doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not a Christian. If you think carnally, then you're the enemy of God. You rebel against God. And you fight against God, against His cause. He says in Romans 8, verse 8, So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. It's flesh versus spirit. And the flesh just rears up its ugly head from time to time. And when we're not watching carefully, and we're not dedicatedly putting effort to walking in the spirit, the flesh will creep in. And we'll think an ugly thought, we'll say some ugly thing, and before you know it, we're doing some ugly thing, and within us is a rebel that's welling up, and he's trying to take over. In the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning in verse 3, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Now listen carefully. Bringing every thought into captivity. To the obedience of Christ. Can you say every thought you have is in line with Christ? I just can't. There are just days I think things I shouldn't think. You know what? Some days I catch that pretty quick. And I mash it down and I, I pray about it. I try to think spiritual things. There's other days I struggle and those things get in my mind. And they seem to, for whatever reason, I struggle with those things and I fight them. And I just, all day long they plague me. I think if we're honest, we're all that way. We're flesh. And there's a war that goes on to rebel against God and to satisfy flesh and to do the things that the flesh wants to do and to be the way the flesh is. He says, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience 
when your obedience is fulfilled. You know, every time that I fail, I go to God in prayer and I say, help me. I don't want to be this way. I don't want to be that man. And I try to revenge that and I try to do better. He says in 1 Corinthians 2.14, The natural man, that's talking about the flesh, does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. You ever talked with somebody about life and about spiritual living and godly living and they just seem very foreign, crazy. You're crazy. So you shouldn't live this way. You shouldn't do those things. No, you're crazy. And we really got to be careful about those things because people can influence. And some people just can't understand those things because they're not thinking spiritually. He says the carnal man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God for they are foolishness. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But you know, I've, I've heard Christians say very foolish things. I've said them. Foolish things about life and foolish things about what we ought to live and how we ought to do. And it's our job as a Christian to put that man to death and be the new creature and live the new way and walk in the Spirit and not be partly rebel and partly dead. That's not the idea. In Luke 10... Jesus said, a certain man went down from Jer Jer Jerusalem to Jericho. He fell among thieves who stripped him of his clo clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. I want to ask you a question. Was he half alive? I guess the cup's either half empty or half full, isn't it? Half dead. And I think if we're not careful as Christians, we can live the Christian life and have a little bit of rebel. A little bit. And if we walk around leaving a little bit of the rebel, he's just going to try to take over. He, that's his job. That's what he wants to do. In James 1 verse 8, he says, A double-minded man unstable in all his ways. And we can't suffer to be a little bit half-flesh, half-spirit, it won't work. We need to be all in with God. We need to be dedicated all the way. Colossians 3 puts it this way. Put to death your members which are on the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, passions, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming on the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all these things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie one to another, since you have put off the old man, with his deeds, and have put on the new man, who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. You ever get angry? Every once in a while I get angry. I've really tried to work on that. And I want to tell you why. I got really angry at my brother. 
I'm talking about my brethren. I only ever had one sister, and I'm going to tell you, she's wonderful. But my brother in Christ, I got angry. I got so angry with him that I don't even know what I said to him. All I know was I tried to chew him apart. And that's not good behavior. It's not appropriate behavior. But we're to put those things to death. And if we try to live a halfway life with one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom, the rebel's going to try to take over. I see people do it all the time. I see Christians do it all the time. But if you don't kill the rebel, sooner or later he's going to rear up his head. 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 5. Then Adonijah, the son of Haggith, exalted himself, saying, I will be king. I will be king. Have you ever said that? No, I've never said, I will be the king. I am the king. That's where he got to. I'm going to be the king. And when the rebel takes over, we got trouble. Good people. Christian people. Strong people. People who love the Lord. The rebel will crawl up in them and take over. David once said, I want her. I'm the king. And Bathsheba was brought to him. And if I remember right, he was a man after God's own heart. But he got selfish, and he got to thinking fleshly, and the carnal nature welled up in him, and the rebel came out, and he said, I want her. And he took her. And Moses once said, Must we fetch water for you rebels? And he smote a rock. And I want to tell you something. God noticed. It was rebellion. And I don't know how familiar you are with that account and this chapter, but God gathered up uh, Moses and Aaron, and he said, Aaron, do you take off your clothes? you take off your priest garments? Because today you die. And I'll tell you, that day, Aaron died. They took the priest's garments off and put them on Eleazar, his son. And Aaron didn't walk on this earth no more. That's rebellion. Or Judas, who's walking around with the Lord, and he's seeing all the things that the Lord does. And Jesus gives him power to all the people of Israel to go out and uncast out unclean spirits and heal people. And he's in the limited commission there, but yet the rebel's there in him, and he wants that money, so he just positions himself. With the bag. And the rebel just works and works and works. And he said, why was this perfume sold? Why shouldn't it have been sold and give to the poor? You know what he was thinking? That's a pile of money and it'll be in the bag and it'll be my money. And that's flesh. And I'm going to tell you, my brethren, my friends, it is a danger to every soul here. 
Because if you're a good preacher, the devil will get to you through pride. If you're a good mother, the devil will try to get to you through envy. Or if you're a young man, he will get to you through lust. Or maybe you're a young family. He'll get to you through greed and covetousness. He's tricky. And he works every day. And in my line of work, I'm blessed to travel a few places. And every once in a while, I'll run into somebody who says, I'll worship my way. I won't worship God's way. Or they say, I'll worship when I want to. And if I don't want to go to church, I'm not going to church. And I've heard people say, I'll study if I want to study. I'll sacrifice if I feel like sacrifice. I'll get drunk if I want to get drunk. I'll get high if I want to get high. And I'll go to a casino if I want to go to a casino. And you know what they're saying? I'll sin if I want to sin. You know what that sounds like to me? I am the king. I'm the king of my life. So I want to talk to you about a few things tonight that I've run into. And you probably have run into it. I want to tell you there's lots of other people. uh, Maybe elders in the church. Deacons in the church. Other teachers in the church. Certainly other evangelists. We're running into this stuff. It's dangerous. Gambling. Are there a casino around here? No. There will be. <laughs> we're, we're not too far from Oklahoma. There's casinos in Oklahoma. You know, we had some folks that went to church with us for a while. And this fellow told me one day, he said, casinos won't leave me alone. I said, they won't leave you alone? I said, they don't bother me. He said, they send me money all the time. I said, they send you money? <laughs> He said, every few days, they send me a voucher for free play. And you know, every week or two, he'd, he'd be at the casino. And he'd come home, and he'd call me, and he'd be sad. He said, Brother Sean, I lost all my money. I lost my whole paycheck. I'd say, Brother, why? Did you go? He'd say, I don't know. I'd say, you got to know. You have to know. Why you went? And every time he'd think about that, he'd come up with the same answer. I thought I'd win. And I tell you, he'd become a slave to it. He'd blow their whole paychecks. Their power would get cut off. They wouldn't have groceries. They had little kids, and he'd call and say they're hungry. Well, what happened to your grocery money, brother? I blowed it. And every person here can look at this and go, that's dumb. That's not smart. Don't do that. Well, I want to tell you something. I talk to brethren quite regularly. And they say, we go to the casino because it's just for fun. We just have fun. I want to tell you, it's dangerous. And I want to show you why I believe it's dangerous. In the book of Ephesians chapter 5 verse 5, 
For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. And I'm going to tell you, when we're honest, gambling is driven by covetousness. It just is. Gambling's not about entertainment. And I will tell you why. Because the casinos want your money. And they are covetous. And they entice you into those places with the lure of winning money. Because I will promise you, if there was no money to be won, no one would stand there and poke the buttons. They would not do it. Any casino that don't have money to be won will not be in business. It's about the money. In Luke 12, verse 15, he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Life's not about what we got. Life's about who you are, a Christian. Life's about eternity. Life is a preparation for the last and final day because we're spirits. And this flesh that you live in is temporary. It's not going to last forever. It's going to grow old or it's going to become ill. And one day you're going to die and stand before God. All the possessions of life cannot make you happy. The happiest person I ever knew lived in a house that you could throw a cat through the wall. And I know people that lived in mansions that are miserable. And if you are covetous, only one thing, well there's two, will make you happy. And that's godly contentment. Or the dirt that's thrown on you in the grave. You will never get enough. 1 Timothy 6, verse 6. Now godliness with contentment is great gain. You want wealth? You want mountains of money? Then be a godly person and be content. And you've got it all. You've got more than you could ever want and more than you can ever spend. Godliness with contentment. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. There's warning after warning after warning in the New Testament about covetousness. And my friends, them casinos are dens of covetousness. That's what they are. They're filled with the covetous. In Luke 16, 13, he says, No servant can serve two masters. You can't be half rebel and half gambler. You can. I'm sorry, that came out wrong. Let me start over. You can't be half Christian and half gambler. That's better. You can't do it. You cannot serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. 
And people say to me, I'll gamble if I want to. Christians say it to me. You know why? Because they feel like they're the king. Drugs. I had a fellow tell me just not long ago he wanted to get high. I said, brother, you, you shouldn't do that. That's not right. He said, oh, it's nothing wrong with it. It ain't drunk. It ain't being drunk. It's just being high. I said, I, brother, I don't believe that. We had a round out in the foyer of a church. Proceeded to tell me he's going to go to one of these states where he could get marijuana on vacation. He can't wait. I said, brother. And the world's going to tell you all kinds of things to lure you in. I know a young man, I watched him baptize. I was there that day. I watched this kid grow up. The last time I heard about him, he was sleeping behind a Walmart in a cardboard box. Slave to the dope. Titus 2, verse 2. The older men be sober. Sober. Verse 4, this is King James that they may teach the young women to be sober. Verse 6, exhort the young men to be sober-minded. You know what the word sober means? Right-minded. Not just not drunk, but in the right mind. It certainly means not drunk too. But it means thinking right and right-minded. And people who are high don't think right. They don't see right. They don't feel right. Most of them feel nothing. And I want to warn you folks, this dope is evil. This marijuana is evil. Hydrocodone abused is evil. And it will destroy you. It will drag you down. It will make you lie. And it will turn you to a full-blown rebel. The book of Galatians chapter 5 beginning in verse 19. The works of the flesh are evident which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry. And then he says sorcery. And the Greek word is pharmakia. And it means dope. And whatever kind of drug you want to use to get high is rebellion. Now don't go home and say, Sean says we can't take a Tylenol. I didn't say that. Maybe a doctor has to give you medication. Follow the, follow the doctor's orders. I'll tell you, there's a lot of people who abuse prescription medication. And it, it'll dominate your life. Revelation 21 verse 8 the cowardly, unbelieving, and abominable murderers, sexually immoral, and once again he says sorcerers. And we have a whole list of things that are terrible here. And if you'll notice, he goes on to say, Idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. God hates this stuff. And people that do this, they're rebelling against God. And I don't know, it discourages me when I have a conversation like that in the foyer of the church and somebody says, I'll smoke weed if I want to smoke weed. So I think they're saying, I'm the king. I'm the king. I want to talk to you about another problem. 
Compulsive gaming. And the smartphone. I got one in my pocket. Let me make sure. Yeah, I got it. One time it barked during the service. I didn't realize I had it on bark. My wife called me. Church started at 5, not 6. I have a little anxiety when I don't have it. Where's my phone? I got a special app to show me where it is. I can even make it ping. I've run into several situations in the last couple of years where I had to counsel with people in their marriage because of video games. And a husband or a wife is playing so much video games, it's destroying their marriage. I, the first time I was told about this, I thought it was a joke. And it's not wrong to play a video game. It's not wrong to have a smartphone. It's wrong to be addicted to it. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 12, All things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. And I want to encourage you to be careful. We got a lot of responsibilities in life, and as you grow and as you get older, those responsibilities just grow. And time is precious. And as you get older, you'll see that more and more. So use your time wisely. Don't become under the power of these things. Don't spend every waking hour playing video games. Don't take your phone and just become addicted to your phone. It'll hurt you. It'll destroy you. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25, he says, Everyone who competes for the prize is temperate. That word means self-control, or to have self-control in all things. We've got to have a little self-control. We especially need to teach our children self-control. You know, my wife works in a little old school, tiny school. We've got 160 kids, K through 12. All, they're all ranchers' kids. Just common people, good people. A little boy that she worked with and helped. She'd sit down and try to get him to do his work. And he'd go into this blank stare. And he'd quote entire episodes of Spongebob. He knew every word. And he'd change his voice to every part and every character. And he'd sit there and quote entire episodes. Try to get him to do some work. He'd crank into some other cartoon or show and he'd just... No self-control. He couldn't even stop and think. When adults asking him to think. When a teacher's telling him to think. He can't stop and do it. He just... It had to be entertainment. I'm going to tell you, this kid grew up with a phone in his face. I'm not telling you it's wrong to show your kid a movie on a phone. Please don't think that. It's wrong to not teach your children self-control. I'll tell you, that's sin. To not teach your children self-control. It's wrong to not teach your kids to follow authority. To listen to other adults. 
to obey what they're told to obey. That's wrong. And for kids to to grow up that way, it's terrible. Because they won't recognize authority. They won't recognize when they're told you need to stop. They won't recognize when a policeman pulls them over. They won't be able to hold down a job because whatever will happen will be not fair. It ain't fair. And we need to be careful and be moderate in those things. In the book of Revelation, chapter 3, verse 15, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish that you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. And if we're not careful, we'll raise a whole generation of children who can't focus. We've got to teach our kids self-control, and we've got to be people of self-control. And you young fathers, you've grown up on some of the cool games. I didn't. You know what I had, Jackson? Pong. All right? It's pretty cool for the day. I wouldn't have stayed up all night playing it. We've got to be careful about these things. They're addictive. And do a little research. Counselors today are running into this more and more. People are addicted to their device. And people say, "I'll, I'll play video games if I want to. Alcohol. This one's... This one's hard for me. I've seen so many people struggle with alcohol. And I, I have talked to so many people in churches that are struggling. And they're addicted. And their family suffers. And they suffer. And their children suffer. And I've talked to so many people and they say, Well, I don't get drunk. And they say, I'll drink, and it's not wrong to drink. I can drink. It's not a sin to drink. I won't get drunk. And I've had man after man and woman after woman say, I can drink 12 beers and not get drunk. And I don't know. I've I just never done it. I, I, I probably drank one beer my whole life. I thought it was awful. This guy kept saying, I can drink 12 beers and not be drunk. And Jim Hayes said one time, he said, boy, he done a lot of sinning to get where he could drink 12 beers and not be drunk. But people take something like 1 Timothy 5 where it says, drink no longer, no longer drink only water, but use a little wine. I've heard that quoted and misquoted. I can drink a little wine. I can drink a little and not get drunk. It's not wrong. I've heard it and heard it. I don't want you to think about the Scriptures. I want you to think about what the Bible says. Proverbs 23, Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has contentions? Who has complaints? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? Those who linger long at the wine. Those who go in search of mixed wine. Is it a warning? Sure. 
everybody who reads it. It's a warning. Proverbs 21, wine is a mocker. Strong drink is a brawler. Whoever is led astray by it is not wise. Is it a warning? Absolutely. And people say, I'll drink if I want to drink. Because I'm the king. I don't want to talk to you tonight about the effects of rebellion. What's the effect of gambling? Is it nothing? That's highly unlikely. Most people face financial ruin. Most people face financial hardships because they lose their money that they need to pay their bills with. Many people, it destroys their marriage. Money is one of the number one causes of divorce. Finally, they teach their children to love money. We teach them it's important. It's a great temptation. It's a snare. And it is followed by many foolish and hurtful lusts. God forbid you win. God forbid you get rich. I'll tell you, it'll destroy your life. It's not a sin to be rich. It's a sin to be covetous. But he said, they that will be rich, you're going to suffer. He says, you will drown in destruction and perdition. What a warning. And when God warns Christians, shouldn't we listen? Shouldn't we listen? Shouldn't we flee those things as Christians? Or should we say, I can handle it. I'll do it if I want to. I'll tell you, all that says is I'm the king. What's the effect of drug and alcohol? Is it nothing? I want to tell you, there's no way it's nothing. He said... The people who do this have woe and sorrows and contentions. You know, a drunk driver killed my wife's mother when my wife was five years old. You talk about wreck your life. She's had woe and sorrows and contentions. And I'll tell you what, she hates it. She hates alcohol. And rightly so. Because it's dangerous. And there's warning after warning after warning after warning in the pages of the Scripture. And people say, I can drink if I want to. But they destroy their marriage. And they teach their children to have the same addiction. And then their children live a life with a lifelong addiction, and you lose your soul. What do you think's the effect of compulsing gaming or compulsive use of the phone where we don't have self-control? You think it's nothing? That's highly unlikely. Marriages are destroyed. 
Relationships are destroyed. When we have opportunities to teach our children about good things, we're just sitting here doing this. And those opportunities are lost. Instead of teaching them godly things and dedicating our children to God, we're dedicating them to a screen. We're giving them the sense that we must constantly be entertained. I've got to be entertained. I've got to be made happy. I've got to feel happy. And we teach them to have no control because addicted children have no control. What happens to children with no self-control? You know, a lot of them end up in prison or enabled. Exodus 34, verse 6. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed. We read this Sunday. The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sins, by no means clearing the guilty. God is so merciful. And He's so good. And I want you to listen in particular to what he goes on to say. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon their children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. You live a life of rebellion and you're going to raise little rebels. And they'll raise little rebels. Three and four generations. You know, I probably told this story here. My great-grandfather wasn't a Christian. His name was Dave Dukes. He wasn't a Christian. He was the first Christian in our line. And his five children were Christians. All their spouses became Christians. All his grandchildren. All the great-grandchildren. That's me. And I, I've lost a little count. I couldn't say if all the great greats. His choice, Dave and Minnie's choice, to dedicate themselves to God and serve the Lord and walk a Christian life and live by faith has affected generations of our family. And will continue. Had Dave Dukes decided to be a dopehead or a drunkard or a gambler, or a womanizer. And it affected me. It would have affected my kids. He made a choice to stand for truth. And I want you to do the same. I want you to take this warning tonight with love. If you're drinking alcohol, you need to quit it. You can tell me all day long it's not a sin to drink. And I want to tell you, the influence is a sin. Get away from the drugs and the dope. Stay away from the casinos. Be careful. These things will impact you all your life and most of your children's lives. The book of Isaiah, chapter 65 Verse 2, I have stretched out my hands all day long to a rebellious people who walk in a way that is not good according to their own thoughts, a people who provoke me to anger continually to my face. 
who sacrifice in gardens and burn incense on altars of brick, who sit among the graves and spend the night in the tombs, who eat swine's flesh and the broth of abominable things in their vessels, who say, keep to yourself, do not come near to me, for I am holier than you. These are smoke in my nostrils, a fire that burns all the day. But God don't like it. He don't like it at all. And what we've got to do is kill the rebel. We've got to put him to death. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. We've got to put those desires to death. We've got to dedicate ourselves to God and live for God. We've got to put those things away and have the mind of Christ in those things. Who is living in you? Jesus or you? Jesus or the rebel? Put to death your members. Put to death these desires. In Ephesians 4 verse 22, he said that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. And that's what these things are. They are deceitful. And they trick people. And they deceive. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. I want to ask you, who is the king? Jesus is the king. We are not. In Ezekiel 20, verse 33, As I live, says the Lord God, Surely, with a mighty hand, and with an outstretched arm, with fury poured out, I will rule over you. We're not going to meet God and do rebellious things our whole life and get away. In Luke 19 verse 27, Bring here those enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them and slay them before me. I tell you, God's got a standard. What does your life say to Jesus? Does your life say, I'm the king? Does your thoughts say to Jesus, I'm the king? Do your words say to Jesus, I'm the king? It won't work, brethren. These things are dangerous. These things destroy people. I'm going to ask you to get out your songbooks tonight. There shouldn't be one rebel in this church. Not one. We've got to bend our knee and yield to Jesus. If we're humble, He's going to help us. If you have addiction tonight to these things, you need help. If you've been dabbling in these things tonight, you need to run. If you know someone who's struggling, they need your help. These things will destroy you. They'll destroy your family. They will destroy your children. And the terrible thing about it is Satan loves it. 
and he will use these things against you and against your children. We need to wake up. We need to stand on truth. We need to stand on the side of Jesus. And then we need to fight for Jesus and promote Jesus. How many hours? How many hours are wasted by people devoting time to these things and not the work of the kingdom? Not the teaching of the gospel. Not the study of God's word or prayer or helping our fellow man in some ways. What a waste. Not to mention the waste of a life, of a family, and descendants. Change your life today. Turn for the good, and Jesus will bless you. Turn away from evil, and He will help you. Ask for help, and humble yourself, and say, I've been doing wrong, and He will bless you and help you. He cannot bless a rebel. He cannot. And if you've sat here tonight and you feel convicted about these things, you need to change. Jesus loves you. And He wants to help you. I love you. I want to help you. Come and make a change for the good to better your life as we sing.